Hey, we're back. We're back. Not that we went anywhere, but it, it was a it was an effort squeezer getting last week's podcast recorded <laughs> and and then get the. Well, we basically did three shows, three recordings, yes. And then um, then this little thing that we're working twelve hours a day because of our jobs happened, and it was tough to get cut. Um, I believe it was getting cut during Father John Misty. I was punching and you were running camera. So, sorry, Father John Misty. You put on a good show, but... It was a very good show. The Radio's podcast is a weensy bit more important. Speaking of important, Squeeze, we have a big announcement. Yes, we do. Uh, we will be performing this podcast live. Oh, dear God. Oh, <laughs> uh, with Squeeze just terrified in the most adorable way possible. This is why you... I think you're going to shine in front of this is why five you, people this in is, the audience. That's true. But this is why it's four more people than I'm used to talking in front of. Right. Well, uh, we're joking. Uh, there's a potential for a lot of people. We just don't know if they have any interest in our show because it will be at RetroCon in Philadelphia, uh, October 14th, Saturday, October 14th. Uh, our slot, we're still working out our time slot. But uh, we will definitely be at RetroCon um, doing a podcast live. The, the Rad Years Podcast Live. So if you buy a ticket to RetroCon, which isn't that much, you could come listen or and meet us and, and listen to us. We'll have a nice, say, uh, one-year anniversary show because October 15th is the day we started the Instagram. Is it really? Yeah. And when we start the, was it November? November 8th. Wow. So I can't believe we actually kept up with it. Yeah, about it. I gave us like three weeks, right? And well, then we're gonna find something else. And we'll not find something else, but just we let, just we get bogged down yeah, so much with uh, mortgage work <coughs> that. Uh, so yeah, uh, we will be at RetroCon um, Philadelphia. Uh, you could uh, retrocons.com is their website where you can check out every all get all your information. They're on Facebook also. It's in Oaks. If I'm gonna be a little. Specific, yeah, it's at the Philadelphia Convention, Greater Philadelphia Convention Center, yes. and Oaks, PA, Oaks. which is a s- suburb outside, outside the city. Outside the city, nice area too. Yeah, that's why I moved out that way. Yeah. We'll have a special guest. Uh, the band, the Cybertronic Spree, are coming on the show uh, that night. They're performing the Transformers the movie soundtrack, and uh, I believe they'll be in full costume when they come on. They're impressive. Yeah, so it should be fun. The Cybertronic Spree will be joining us on the podcast tentatively. tentatively. Uh, they were going to do their own panel, but uh, robots just don't have a lot to say, I guess. So we were asked to help out, and gladly we said we can because who uh, – first? I well, I think you I'm said we can, off. and then you told me that we were doing it, and then I pooped a little. <laughs> And then I said, "Okay, be fine. I'm terrified." Just don't start bawling and telling them why. To, uh, begging to let them let you know why Optimus Prime had to die. I'm not talking any of these shitty 
Michael Bay movies. We're talking the 1987. It was the most important <coughs> death of our lives. Yeah. Uh, cartoon animated movie. And then parents bitch and moan, and then they take they take Duke's death away from us. I'm sorry, you don't take a snake to the heart and survive. You, you don't go into a coma when you get speared by a serpent. Yeah, that mo- uh, Transformers also took G.I. Joe the movie out of theaters because it really didn't do well. <laughs> but we're digressing. We're tangenting, which we will tangent. We got bumped. We got added another 15 minutes, too. We are doing a full hour. We're supposed really? to do 45 minutes, but... Now we're doing a I'm going to prepare for this. Hour. So. I'm not. Oh, yeah, I know. <laughs> but that's when I'm at my best, just out there being me. I will prepare. The whole video rig will be done by me, so I will prepare that. Okay. Yes. We will have. I will provide knowledge. Yes. Squeezer will come with knowledge. I will come with technical setup and my idiot personality. And that's it. So that's our big announcement for with our, our first live podcast, which we hope then to do more. I have a little uh, plan, and I've already been in talks with certain people about said plan just yesterday <laughs> because of the location Is we were the, in. The same people. I got to go talk to these people, too, then. <laughs> oh, I don't know. You might not know them, this person, but I can introduce you. Been a long time friend. Hmm. <coughs> Why are you doing this to me? I like the comfort of the anonymity Listen, of this of this we pop can, filter. I know young squeezer like to play video games in the basement all summer with the windows blacked out so no one could see him and play with your toys by yourself and Legos and build all follow the instructions and put the pieces together. But sometimes there's a wide world out there and people want to see that adorable face. I used to be the weatherman in the high school news. So what are you so afraid of? You I were was, the prom king. I was just talking. prom king, everybody. No, I wasn't. He was it the prom It was king. a joke that went too far. <laughs> well, My, you're not the prom king. Look, no. No, right, no. Were, do you technically not right, the prom so king? W- some of my friends are sitting there, and they go, no, it'll be <laughs> funny. Let's uh, vote Derek. This was pre-squeezer when um, the world knew me by my name my mother gave me. Uh, and uh, they said, eh, let's vote for him for prom king. That'll be funny. Well, I, uh, And everyone else in the school apparently went along with the joke. I feel so bad for the prom queen, Miss <laughs> Steph. I, fe- I apologized to her as we were dancing. Like, I'm so sorry. I met this girl who went to high school with you, and I was like, do you know Derek? And the first thing she said, oh, my God, yeah, he was the prom king. Prom queen. I should start wearing the crown. You should. <laughs> I tried throwing it out for like the le- for oh, at man, least twice a year, and my mom won't let me. She thinks oh, it's mom. the most important. Yeah, no, she loves it. She's like, you should be proud. I'm like, it's the butt of a joke. I'm Carrie without the blood. <laughs> it's going to end the same way, too. <laughs> see, that kind of witty banter and off-the-cuff jokes is what the world needs to see uh, in my I, I, I wrote that. <laughs> you did not. You did not think I was going to bring up the prom king, so you didn't write that. I'm out of coffee already. Jesus. I drank an entire carafe. Uh, you're gonna, we're going to have to stop this halfway through so you can pee again. Anyway, what, what are we talking about? Well, we got some other uh, house no, no, oh, wait, wait, to get to. Oh, wait, wait. 
finalized. Like, live podcast. I was like, what yeah. were we talking about? Oh, yeah. 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 Live podcast. Uh, at the October 14th, Saturday at RetroCon. And even if you don't want to go to see us, go just to check. Oh, yeah. Out. It's, it's awesome. awesome. It's, it's awesome. A, it's a huge floor. I enjoy it more than New York Comic Con. So that's... It's the, much more personable. Right. The second biggest Comic Con in the world is New York Comic Con. I think RetroCon is more fun and a better time. You'll see more stuff. There's great vendors. Uh, zombie, uh, zombie Sailor Toys uh, is always there, and he's got some, some case-fresh stuff that you, will blow your mind. I, I don't think he sold those Wild West Cowboys yet. If it gets to the end of the week, I might wind up pulling the trigger on that. And um, so, yeah, that's a... Uh, that's pretty big. Are you excited, at least excited for it? I know you're terrified. Oh, no. I'm really excited. I can't wait for it. Yeah, it's gonna be but at the same time, it's absolutely... And if you're, not, if you're not scared, it means you don't care. Yeah. Which is why I'm fearless in so many other things I do right now. <laughs> <sighs> and I get to... I got to shop around and add some uh, things to the uh, collection to, uh, <coughs> for the set. So. Yes. Which is coming along. I'll finish ne- the backdrops and deck will be finished next week. Yeah, that's another big announcement that you like. We're gonna finally. I know I've been talking about it since the beginning of the year, but our YouTube con- our goal was to get YouTube content up in 2017. It might be December. It'll 2017. be a, a New Year's special. <laughs> be a countdown starting at three. Uh, anyway, so I got some a little junk food tip for you ah. uh, a couple things you know how Lay's does those flavors uh, the flavor experiments every year now it's becoming like a summer thing where they have three new flavors of Lay's potato chips that are kind of weird nah I don't, I'm not a chip guy so that's Believe so it. weird I don't like though. them I'll, I'll go like straight kettle cook like old school like uh, like Martins or some shit, but not even that. But like, if it's like, if it comes in like a paper bag that some guy made like fresh, you I like that. But other so than that, so greasy you can see through it. Yes, it has to penetrate. It has mm-hmm. to look like a bottom of the bag of a Five Guys bag. Just well, anyway, like the shroud of Turin with grease. There's the flavors this year are uh, regular Lay's has crispy taco, which I tried last night for the first time. It's pretty good. It's like Doritos. No, 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 no. It's way. It's a way more. Um, Like a, there's there's much better flavor palette in the in the chip than the Doritos. Mm. Doritos are overpowered by the. I corn should have taste. samples here. Sorry. <laughs> uh, then in the wavy style, there's fried green tomato, which I did not try. And then in the kettle style, there's everything bagel. Which, that could be interesting, actually. Cream cheese, yeah. Oh, I don't like cream cheese. You what? Yeah, it's gross. What? Yeah. These are two revelations about you that I don't I like cream cheese. My, you you don't cream cheese is I could eat cream cheese out of the tub with the spoon. Uh, if you cut me open, that's pretty much what I look like on the inside. So I don't want to eat it. Oh, you know when I was in Europe, uh, and the people would ask where we're from, you just say Philadelphia. It's the closest city. Yeah, <clears throat> and they'd be like, "Oh, that's what we call our that's what we call the cheese we put on our bagel." They call it. They don't call it cream cheese. They call it Philadelphia cheese. Interesting. Not even the brand. It's just called Philadelphia cheese. It's like a Kleenex thing. Yeah, like they did. Yeah. Philadelphia. And Rock. They ever seen Rock? I was like, you, you use Philadelphia cheese like every morning on my my. I'm like, yeah, all right. 
Yeah, you know the city that has a, a <coughs> statue for a fake boxer, but they can't get one for can't, a real one. Or name the street after Mister yeah, Fraser. We met multiple times. Such a sweet man. Give him a damn statue. Give him the statue. Um, then uh, Halloween candy's starting to come out, Squeeze. I noticed uh, at the impulse aisles, at Sheets, you got your candy corn M&Ms there, your pumpkin Reese's, your witch's cauldron Skittles, which I grabbed the bag, and Enchantress is going to taste test for me. What's... Uh what color are they? Like, what do they the, go with? The bag is orange, but there's a few weird flavors in the back. But aren't Skittles all the same flavor, just different colors? Mm-mm. What That's, am I thinking uh, of? Fruit Loops. Oh, okay. <clears throat> and then... Uh, Problem is when you just dump the entire bag in your mouth and gargle it. Well, that's one flavor. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so Kit Kat has released a new flavor this year for Halloween, pumpkin pie flavored Kit Kat, which I am dying to get a hold of and try. Because hmm. I love, I'm basic white with my pumpkin obsession. Basic white girl. And then the monster cereal's already hitting the shelves. But uh, no Fruit Brute or Fruity Yummy Mummy. Just your standard three. Blueberry, Frankenberry, and uh, Count Chocula. So they're already... Um, Are those like seasonal now? Like yeah, you can't, you, you can't get Count Chocula? And You're around, no. It's really? Only, only season. It's when pretty, did that happen? For a while now. I don't eat cereal, so. Yeah. It's actually a pretty fun thing because they change the whole box and the whole theme of it every year. That's smart, <laughs> I guess. They probably sell more in that short period of time by limiting it than having it out there all year. Yep. And you save money on production. Yep. So, <clears throat> that's, uh, yeah, the Halloween season's upon us, even though it's only the beginning of August. But we'll blink and it'll be the end of August, and then, you know. Well, there'll be Christmas shit up in a few a few weeks. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna do a lot of cool stuff for the holidays. Uh, a lot of horror and Halloween themed stuff in October. We're gonna try and pull some uh, Thanksgiving Day stuff together. Perhaps Macy's Day Parade, you know, stuff like that for Thanksgiving, and then uh, get some Christmas stuff. Got a lot of wish books. Yeah, the, uh, <laughs> pretty much the schedule is. I mean, with the holiday shit, yeah, schedule is already packed. Pack schedule, a lot of fun things, and a lot of good YouTube shit once we get that stuff started. <laughs> the New Year's countdown is going to be great. Maybe a two. We'll start at two. <laughs> start at two. Uh, we're, we're just like the doomsday clock. <laughs> we're at two. <laughs> All right. You got some history for us, don't you? Yeah, we do. Calumet, Colorado, population 8,200. Before the sun sets, foreign soldiers will march victorious through the streets. Get in! Eight high school students will take to the mountains, fight for freedom, and become a symbol to unite America. Not bad for a bunch of kids. Wolverines! Red Dawn, rated PG-13. Starts Friday, August 10th. Check newspapers for a selected theater near you. Ah... The movie of conservatives. I like this movie, but conservatives love this. Yeah. Well, it's biblical. Uh, Yeah. August 10th, 1984. uh, Red Dawn with uh, starring Patrick Swayze came out. More importantly than that, it was the first movie to have a PG-13 rating. Oh, it was. It was. Which would then go on to be like the rating you want because 
I it's a middle ground, yeah. Yeah, five of the seven highest grossing movies are all PG-13. Um, and it all, it wasn't like it was Red Dawn's fault. Red Dawn was just the first to get that rating. It was Temple of Doom. That caused it. That caused it because parents took their kids to this PG movie and <coughs> sat there next to their kids what? watching a heart, heart be ripped out. Yeah. You know? um, and they lost their shit. Um, this might be it. this might be the first time too where parents went all parent, mm, or it was I don't just think so. it was finally the reaction to it that it was, it, yeah you know what it might have been the start of parents actually <clears throat> vo- like ruining things. I'm getting you a cough button. You've been saying I I just motioned to you earlier to put, pop me down. I'm not sure. Just, I don't remember which you one. You stared at me like a lemur. Okay, you won. <laughs> That was hard to figure out. Uh, he's giving me that lemur stare again, people. Um, those big eyes. So they did a remake of this, right? Did uh, you see the remake? Yeah, yeah. I didn't see the remake. I, what I know about the remake is originally it was going to be, uh, instead of Russia, China as the big bad. Mm-hmm. And then the second largest film market in the world, <laughs> and soon to be the largest, is China. And uh, they changed it to North Korea. Fitting, isn't it? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> We're kind of in a skirmish with these folks now. It's more of a uh, two children. Look how big it is. Yeah. Let me whip this out. It's, more, it's like a playgr- playground fight where yeah. a lot of... Where seven billion people could die. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, you know, let's hope. Let's hope they don't. Wow. Yeah, I, I really want to get to that live podcast. This show got set. Maybe we won't do uh, <coughs> YouTube content. <laughs> no, God damn not, it. Not we by, promise the people. Not by fault of our own. Yeah. So what are we talking about? What's our actual topic today? We we're going to war. Whoa. Mm, fitting. Yeah. Um, it's the theme of the day. <laughs> so we are, this is the PlayStation 1 versus N64. Oh, we're taking it. It's kind of like our Super Nintendo Genesis battle yes. that we had. Only, I, I want to add a little caveat here. I'm kind of playing devil's advocate because I started out, see, uh, PlayStation was the first system I bought for myself with my own money. Uh, at that point, how old was I? I had like little <coughs> summer jobs, weekend jobs yeah, here and there. I, I so bought I a 64 with my own money. So it was the first system that I bought with my own money. And so it meant something a little bit more. And I only had one game at the time. I had none. It was just Reynolds. (laughs) Um, And uh, so there's a reason that there are certain things on my list specifically because of that. Eventually, I did buy an N64 used down the road. And some of my favorite games of all time, including some that are on your list, are, I would consider it... Greatest games of all time, and in my top five, easily. And like some things that aren't on your list, things like Conquer's Bad Fur Day, I think is probably one of the funniest games ever. Well, all these games and the system, not only did I buy at launch date, <clears throat> but I got all these games close to their release, uh, except for one. So this was, I had N64 at launch, I bought it. There was like three games out, Pilot Wings, Mario, mm-hmm. and I think one more. And uh, um, I would just rent Mario 
from Blockbuster back in the day when you could rent games. So now all my friends, all my friends, they had N64. I had PlayStation, so I was that guy I would fight to the death and defend PlayStation and that it was so much better than N64. I was opposite. But, but at the same time, there's something in me that kind of knew, and I wanted to play N64, so every time we can go to their house, I would always want to play just Mario Pilot <laughs> Wings and just shit like that. It was fantastic. I, I, I stayed a Nintendo fanboy to the end. I didn't even get PlayStation 2. I got GameCube. I still have my GameCube sitting next to my desk in there, which I <clears throat> still play. See, I was all over the place. I went to, Then I went to Xbox. Then I went to GameCube. Then Xbox, plays, uh, just a little bit all over the place. And then I was a PC guy for a while. Um, I went GameCube, then Wii. Then a little birdie got in my ear. And we'll see. Then, then Apple released GTA 3 on the iPad. And then I can't play that. <clears throat> even before that, though, uh, I had a, the first PlayStation console I ever had mm-hmm. was a PSP, the PlayStation Portable. I bought it launch date with the basketball game that came out, uh, and then a little game called Vice City Stories came out, and uh, I was like, I was hooked on GTA, and then GTA Three came out. And then they started showing commercials four years ago now for a game called GTA V. And I believe we were in PJ Willowhands on a Sunday watching football, and we kept seeing it, and you're like, you got to get it. There's going to be online. Like, you were selling it to me hard. <clears throat> so you and I went on launch night at midnight uh, to pick up our pre-orders. I pre-ordered the whole system. It, it was funny watching you walk out with the entire system. Right. They're like, oh, really? It was, I, I was at the end of the PlayStation 3's life. And then a couple assholes convinced me to drop $500 and buy a PlayStation 4 just to, to get back on the game with you. you which yeah. You, and you're one of those assholes. And yeah. Well, you just disposable income. <clears throat> yeah. Well, so, yeah, I, I have PlayStation 3 and 4. But uh, I'm, I'm close to getting that Switch. If I walk into a Target and they have one in stock, it's coming home with me, I bet. Uh, and I, then I saw, I saw that the remake of Metroid 2 for 3DS, and one of those might come home with me, too. <laughs> we'll see. <clears throat> I, uh, this took me forever to actually... Like, I was doing all my, my research. All that was was going fine. It's when I started to go and pull video. And then I got lost in the internet, of course, um, watching uh, uh, React. And uh, they had, uh, it was Teens React while playing classic games. And then so pretty, pretty much for like an hour and a half to two hours last night, I just watched kids that were born mm, maybe in 1998, 2000 depending on when these videos were made, uh, playing some of these games. Right. And the joy, I'm sure they were all child actors or whatever, but (laughs) um, some of them, one, the frustration of it to actually play a real video game for once or the joy of doing it. Like they're playing Duck Hunt. They were so amused eventually once they figured it out and loved it. Uh, Doom... They just thought it was fun. And then 
uh, watching them play, con- first of all, handing these kids a Contra cartridge and not knowing what the hell this thing was. I and then contract sound, Contra soundtrack on vinyl bought from Mondo. And then those fucking assholes released the, what, the leftover of the San Diego Comic-Con variant just two days After ago. You, uh, yeah. But just for watching for 10 minutes as these kids could not clear the first level. Well, it's impossible. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, they couldn't even get the debris. They, uh, it's hilarious, though, watching them not be able to figure out the controls. Like, in my head, I'm, my hands were twitching, yeah. like, controlling it. And they were just, it, it was quite adorable. I saw some comments on YouTube when I was pulling my clips. People being like, oh, I wish I was... I wish I was born in I was born in the '80s, so I could have grown up a '90s kid instead of being born in the '90s and only like having a little bit of this as a kid. <clears throat> well, it's not too late. It's all out there for you. Right? Yeah, I know. But they have the same pangs of nostalgia we have. Mm-hmm. Like, we got lucky. We were born in the, you know, early '80s, and we got a good part of the '80s and all the '90s to grow up with. Mm-hmm. The golden years almost is why we have the Rad Years podcast. So, I think it was like the peak of awesomeness for you know being a kid and having. <coughs> we had we had like like a, a full spectrum of technology almost, and we up. got and we got to see it, and we got to grow with it. Yeah. So that's uh, that's uh, we didn't even roll your first pick the other no, day. No, we didn't. <laughs> we we're preambling. All right, let's get to it. Your first pick. Look at what we're launching. Now for N64 and Game Boy Advance, Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 2. We're talking lots of new tricks and hundreds of insane new combos. There's even more courses, a park designer, and a dream team of skaters to choose from. Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 2 for N64 and Game Boy Advance. Rated E for everyone. I think you have picked the wrong system. Uh, well, I didn't have a choice because I couldn't find any commercials for PlayStation 1, so I had to pick the N64 port, which you eventually got right. a year after And it had no music. Release. It had no music, which is kind of what made this game what it was. The soundtrack was awesome. In this case, uh, Guerrilla Radio, uh, Radiance Machine, was the title track to it. That would always play when you would watch the, uh, the intro video. Uh, this game is still considered one of probably maybe the greatest sports game ever. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's up there as far as some of the best games of all time. And in fact, it's, uh, what does it have? It was 98 on Metacritic. It's only behind, it's up there with Soul Calibur and GTA 4, and it's only behind one other game that is also, uh, we'll be talking about down the road. And I mean, that game belongs up there. Of course, I started reading the comments wondering why this had a 98. And, I mean, it gets to the point where you're like, if 100 people say this is an amazing game, what do the bad people have to say? So I read the four bad reviews for it, and they all gave them gave it like a zero. And, like, their argument was, this isn't the second greatest game of all time. Why would you say that? In fact, the greatest game of all time doesn't even belong on that list. It doesn't. So I'm like, uh, your argument is... Your argument is Yeah, I, I started getting angry at comments, and then I had to stop and take a break for a little bit. Of course. Um, but yeah, I mean, 
one game of the year. Got a 10 out of 10, 10 out of 10, 9.6 on IGN because they can't, <coughs> they have to have a little bit of darkness in, in their lives. Um, this hit shelves on September 20th, 2000. So it's a little late in the PlayStation uh, cycle. So you played as you're your skater. And the nice part is you're kind of just playing the game. There's no, one of the complaints was, man, this sucks. There's no story. It's a skateboarding game. Right. Uh, the controls were really tight for the time. Uh, this was, sp- bef- was this before they ripped off Nintendo 64 with the DualShock yes. analog controllers? So I, I went down and, oh, yeah, let me, uh, I got my satchel here. I brought props. Because that's where the N64 lands in... Uh, ah, there it is. Oh, I have all... Too. Pretty much... Yeah. Oh. Are we talking two? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. What was the first one? Not that good? I just... I picked games that I had. Ah, okay. Um, so... <clears throat> um, they also added in, like, the Ollie and stuff like that, and uh, you can combo... Not the Ollie. Uh, what the hell do they call it? The... I don't know that skateboarder talk. It's been Jake a while. Flip? No, like we can transition in between uh, heel, the rolly thing where you're kind of like balancing. I don't know. I can't even stand on the skateboard. Grind? So. No. Right. Exactly. Um, <clears throat> where are we on this? You were talking about the controls. Oh, the controls. Yes. So <laughs> I fired up my own plate, my old PlayStation one. Yeah, and I, I went through and I, pl- oh yeah, I played all these despite my Genesis not working, which I got to take apart. I want to play Landstock my so N64 bad. My N64 is in my brother's, or actually my dad's basement, but I have the original N64. I have, I mean, all my, everything, all my video game stuff survived the purge for the most part. That stuff stayed. I don't know. I never got rid of it. Um, so I fired it up. I was playing a little bit and it was amazing. My thumbs would instinctually try going the to the analog sticks. It was so weird. Like, there was nothing there. And so controlling it was a little bit difficult. It took a while to, to get back on it. And I didn't do uh, terrible. I was skating around in the hangar level, which is the first level you can get, because I couldn't... The one thing I couldn't find were my memory cards that the PlayStation had to you know, save your progress. So I had to start from scratch. So I'm pl- fl- playing around the hangar level... And you grind on certain things, and you can unlock other doors. And it was funny how, as I'm doing this, I'm like, everything is immediately just clicking, coming back to me. I'm like, yes, that opens up the the wind tunnel. And then this, you break through this glass, and then grind the helicopter, and it takes you outside. And there's snow, which is just a couple white pixels that they had drop in front of the screen. It wasn't that in depth. Uh, I don't think I completed any of the uh, tasks, any of the objectives they set ahead of you. So you would have two minutes to, you know, complete a number of ten objectives. And you would, like, uh, there were five objects specific to the level. Um, and then they had, like, and since you're at the uh, a hangar level, there's, like, some pilot wings that you have to collect. You have to spell out the word skate, collecting the letters. Uh, find there's certain grinds that you have to grind a certain object, and that would unlock it, or find a hidden tape. And there's also cash all over the place. And you would unlock that. And then you can unlock better boards and, you know, decks and, uh, you know, gear for your guy. And then also build up his stats because you can make your own custom skater, mm. which is awesome. 
Uh, and then the best part, though, about this game was the park builder. That I mean, this I would lose hours just building. You would you would have a specific maybe uh, a trick in mind, and you would build the park just for that, or you would just build just the most ridiculous setups or just absolute death traps at the same time. Uh, and like I said, the soundtrack was awesome. Uh, and then the levels that even came with it too, like the School Two, which was an expansion on the you know, first game, School One. Uh, Skate Heaven, Venice, and then Philadelphia was one of my favorites too. And it was kind of a blending of uh, FDR Skate Park, which is underneath I-95. It's fairly iconic. And then Love Park, which is an iconic uh, skate park right there in uh, uh, Center City. And they, you could even do the bus plant. Like there would be a city bus that would drive down the one street. Mm-hmm. And one of the things you'd have to do to unlock it would be to time it and plant off the bus as it's driving by uh-huh. usually i'd get run over by the bus sure but i absolutely love this game and it was fun to fire it back up um i never played uh, any tony hawks really yeah the tony hawk i think for n64 sucked yeah well a lot of they, they what they did they smoothed out some of the graphics <clears throat> but that wasn't really important and the graphics to be fair were already pretty good on playstation but, I mean, it was the soundtrack, you know, to go along with the game right. that, 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 that sold it. And I think the controllers were probably a little better. It being a sports game, if mm-hmm. you will, uh, were more intuitive on the PlayStation than with the 64. All right, well, you get a point there. PlayStation's up ahead, but I'm sorry. Uh, my, first, uh, my first pick is just going to end this fight where I'm going to come off with the finishing move. Uh, you're, you're dropping the nuke early? I am dropping the nuke early. Oh, I'm Jesus. talking about, I'm coming out swinging, coming out hot. This is going to be a Joe Savory first inning. I'm sorry. talking for my first pick Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time being that one game on the top of Metacritic with the perfect score being perfect the greatest score, game of all time ranked by many organizations as not only the game of the year but the greatest game of all time <laughs> it is fantastic I got a 10 and 10 from IGN mm-hmm. um, Dan Hauser from Rockstar said, if anyone tells you that's building a 3D game that they didn't, weren't highly influenced by Mario 64 and Zelda Ocarina of Time, which was before it was called Ocarina of Time, it was Zelda 64, is fucking lying to you. Um, game, I think someone called it, uh, game trailers might have called it a walking patent office because <laughs> of so many elements. I mean, this was one of, uh, this was 3D games were new now. Mario 64 being like the, mm-hmm. the first, but first widely I didn't even put it on my list even though I fucking love Mario 64 sure. I just I didn't want to destroy PlayStation that badly uh, but Zelda so uh, this is what it sounds like in my head on a regular basis 
This game, I got this for Christmas in 1998. It came out in November. I got the original gold. I still have the gold cartridge in the plastic box with the gold foil on it that it came Ooh. in. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Uh, it made more money. It made $150 million, more, higher than any Hollywood film in the last six weeks of 1998. It's funny. I actually, my, my next pick, we'll talk about comparing it to movie, uh, you know, movie numbers because this is a point where video games start taking on this is it like they're like alright fuck you Hollywood watch this and they start peeling money away from yeah we from talked Hollywood. about that game four years ago Grand Theft Auto mm-hmm. made more money than any film that year it made more money than anything and it's still raking still in the dollars yeah, we still play well we try to so after publication Ocarina of Time was of course featured on a number of compiled lists for the best and most influential games uh, Nintendo Power put it. Right, right. It's they Nintendo put Mario Power. Brothers. No, they didn't. Nintendo Power is the one who didn't give it the number one spot. I guess they didn't want to be biased, so. I mean, it's did. all the same proper. It's right. I know. Same title holder. It was second behind Super Mario Brothers for the greatest games of all time. Uh, Game Informer ranked the, fir- it. the first Super Mario Brothers. Yeah. They were just because that started their legacy. Yeah, I, I get it, but you're kind of. If anything, you would put it would be three. Uh, Game Informers called it untouchable. Uh, in May 2011, IGN IGN held a tournament style competition celebrating the 25th anniversary of Legend of Zelda's release, and fans voted Ocarina of Time the greatest Zelda game. Um, it was followed by Majora's Mask, which Majora's I, Mask. Majora. Yeah, I don't think it's a silent J. I, I like that game too, but I didn't play that till later. Yeah, it's a fun game. It's just, it was difficult for me. I don't know why I just had trouble bouncing back and forth between the timelines. Speaking of timelines, I'm not going to get into where this falls on the Legend of Zelda timeline, but um, it, was, it was great. Like, I, I played, of course, the original Legend of Zelda. Sure. I like Le- Link's, A Link to the Past, Legend of Zelda 2. Mm-hmm. Uh, we talked about how much we love Link's Awakening. Link's Awakening. Great work game. of art. Um, I played probably the least of these games, A Link to the Past, because it's really tough on mm-hmm. Super Nintendo, and I was always renting it and never really getting far. Yeah, I would get to play around. I never actually got to play it, play it, because um, I didn't have a Super Nintendo. So, I, you know, like, I, the story-wise, like you didn't really get a full world until Ocarina of Time. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I bought the GameCube, of course, because I'm a fanboy. And a little game called Wind Waker came out. And when you pre-ordered it, you get a copy of Ocarina and Ocarina Master Quest for the GameCube, which I really? still have. Yeah. Oh, shit. I wonder if that's out. I can hunt one of those down for my GameCube. They're expensive, but you can. You could also hunt down a disc with had, which has every Zelda game on it. That was a pre-order for um, the game that came out for both... Uh, GameCube and uh, Wii. I can't even remember what it was called. But uh, Wind Waker kind of is like a same world is, but it's different. It's really it was really clever. I love Wind Waker's number two for me as far as favorite mm-hmm. Zelda games. Uh, Wind Waker is underrated and beautiful and fantastic. It's beautiful. Yeah. But yeah, this game was just great. It's like. There, I mean, I, when the, I was the, playing it, I was there was nothing like this. I, 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 
And now, of course, there's games of sure. gone way beyond. You take it for granted. You take it for But at the time in 1998, at Christmas, I got this on Christmas, I went right into my room and started playing it. There was nothing like this, ever. The freedom, there's something, the freedom of getting on a Pona and just riding around in that field. The was frustration. Just, it was mind-blowing. How many years later, since 1998, were what, 20, 19 years after? Math me. <sighs> Let me get my abacus. Yes. 19 years. So 19 years ago this came out, I'm still stuck in the water tremble. <laughs> <laughs> you never beat it? No. Really? Uh-uh. Oh, we should have a little... That's why I was going to buy the 3DS just to get it so I could have it everywhere and finally beat that motherfucker. I even had the fucking... It's cheap book. We should have a Zelda party. Is that something like a lemon party? Well, yeah, just without the old gay sex. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, I, have, I have GameCube. I have it. Um, All right, I got. I mean, I have my N64 copy yet. So I, I think if we do it, we should have to do it on an N64. Oh, the controller sucks, though. That's why you got to do it with the that. The GameCube controller make, is so much more intuitive. Nah, eh, you got to do it. You got to go old school. Does any analog stick still work on your, your controller? I think so. Uh, some of them, because I, I have like probably like six or seven controllers. Cause In my opinion, just, the GameCube controller was the best controller Nintendo ever came out with. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's one of the better controllers ever designed yeah. as far as uh, as far as feel goes. Putting that PlayStation 1 controller in my hand for the first time in a long time, it was awkward. Yeah. Well, then the analog stick was quickly stolen by both PlayStation, Xbox, and Dreamcast. <laughs> we should do a Dreamcast episode one day, too. I never had My friend had one. Yeah, my friend had one. Too. My it, friend bought what, the import from Japan. I was always confused by that weird Tamagotchi thing that you'd load into the, yeah, the controller. Yeah. Well, I worked at KB at the time. I was there for launch. Ooh. Yeah, it was crazy. Yeah, we kind of looked back on it like poo-poo, but it was a great system it for was, the time. Yeah. It was. Just came out at the wrong time. So, yeah, that's my, my first pick was just, I mean... It crushes it. It's so great. It still holds up. It's still fun. Mm-hmm. They're still making money off it because they're still selling it for 3DS. I might go and fire it up tonight when I get home. There we go. Probably won't. I might do- no, I will. I will send you a picture of me All right. playing Ocarina yeah, at time put it, tonight. Put it on your Instagram so people squeeze TV, follow him, All right. and see your I'll picture. I will post it tonight. All right, uh, let's move on to whatever this is. <laughs> I need backup! A rookie cop facing unspeakable evil. There's something really wrong here. These things aren't dying. I just blasted this thing, and it's still alive! One of the most anticipated games of 1998, Resident Evil 2. If the suspense doesn't kill you, something else will. Everyone's gonna die! Everyone's going to die. It sounds like you at work sometimes. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I still, th- that tagline at the end was. Uh... I say this. I never had, my sister had a PlayStation 1, mm-hmm. and she bought it just for the Spice Girls game. Jesus. And Parappa the Rapper, I think. You know, I, Paul Rapper the Rapper was almost going to make my list, but like, I, I decided to go with games that I had, and it's just I had like to leave. Crash Bandicoot. We can talk Crash Bandicoot then. I, well, I never played it's, it. She, it's, just, she had it's it. Kind I of never fun. played it. But I, uh, so like while you have your feet dipped in the N64 pool, mm-hmm. I never never PlayStation. So you never even played a Resident Evil game? No. Although they say one of the best ones to ever come out was on GameCube. Uh, yeah, it's very good. 
uh, was that five? That was called the Resident Evil. Yeah, that's when because uh, we had that was college, I think, when we had GameCube, right? Yeah. So it was the end of college for me. Well, for you because you're old. Um, year. Well, yeah, but uh, my my roommate had it for GameCube, and he would play it religiously, and it was terrifying. And all of a sudden, the zombies started to run. I'm like, motherfucker! And they had chainsaws, but I still think and many people still agree that resident evil 2 was the pinnacle it's the best resident evil game out there uh and as far as placed i think this is like a crowning achievement on playstation and some people would say like metal gear solid which uh was on my short list uh and also like i'm sure there's plenty of people that would kill me because i don't have any final fantasy games on it mm. i my final fantasy ended That's on the lot. nes yeah, me too um so Resident Evil 2, Biohazard 2, if you're in Japan, uh, came out January 21st, 1998. Uh, so it takes place two months after Resident Evil. And you are, well, you actually play two characters. You have, you have uh, Leon Kennedy, who is a rookie cop who's late for his first day of work and shows up in Raccoon City and heads for the police station. Uh, and he gets attacked by zombies. And he doesn't know what the hell is going on. Uh, locks himself up in the police station, which if the Adams family were a police force, this is what the police station would look like. This is the most intricate, creepiest, nightmarish mansion that you can imagine. It makes no sense that they have like magic, like these diamond keys and all the stuff in this police station. But it adds to the uh, feel and flavor of the game. You kind of you go with it. It's mm-hmm. fun. It's, cre- it's so creepy. The atmosphere is there. And you also run into Claire Redfield, who is the younger sister of the uh, protagonist of the first game, Chris Redfield, who is here looking for her brother. So the two of you have to team up and uh, basically survive. You want to go find Chris and get, your- get out of the city. Mm-hmm. Turns out Chris is in Europe trying to take down Umbrella. So... What made this game so uh, different was what they called the zapping system. So because you would switch back and forth between these two players, you weren't necessarily in side by side. They were taking different paths. Now, you could alter your environment by taking things, unlocking certain doors. And so basically by switching back and forth, you were the game itself. There are lots of puzzles in this game. But the game itself was a puzzle, and by using the different the two characters and sometimes up to four because you would have a supporting cast, um, there was uh, Claire would team up with the young girl, girl Sherry, who would be intricate to the plot, and then Leon would team up with this hot Asian uh, chick and half of a ballroom dress uh, who happened to be a spy and plays a bigger role down the road. Hmm. Uh, so is Sherry. But um, you would use them, and you would alter the environment in a way that it would alter it for the other person as well. So if you opened a door and then uh, that door is now open to the other character. And if you took like some armor and some ammo, that is now gone. The other character doesn't have that to pick up. But you might have to, one character would say open a door here that they can't get to, but because that door is open now, Leon, say Claire did it, now Leon can move on. Uh, it, It was pretty groundbreaking for the time. And what happened was this game was 60 to 80% the number varies. It, you know, can't necessarily lock it down entirely. This game was near completion, and they scrapped it. 
to, I believe they, it was quoted saying, it was dull and boring. And they said, F it, I don't like it. We're going to start from scratch. They brought in Noboru Sigimura, mm-hmm. uh, who was a screenwriter for the time, did the uh, Metal Hero, Metal Man, I, the translation's up, but one of those like Power Ranger-esque, okay. you know, guy in a costume, Japanese. No, no, it was another, there's like 40 of them. It was like, like those shows were like cop shows now over here. It's like, oh, you're a cop, but you... Uh, have a great sense of smell. You're a cop, but you can hear things better. You know, so they brought him in. He basically rewrote the whole script uh, and made it uh, much more moodier, much more cinematic. It's more like a movie. Mm. I wouldn't say it plays like a movie because the way they did it, so all the the backgrounds are pre-rendered. And the only objects in it that are moving on screen are the characters that are pixels. So it ad- was able to add a lot more detail into the characters and into the zombies. And because of that, it gave you this feeling that you were like playing a painting. Hmm. It had a really cool, and I think it added to the atmosphere of the game. You felt like you were in this, in, in this creepy picture, like hanging on a museum, hanging on the wall in the police station almost. Like you would, you it felt so eerie. Uh, and eventually, you know, you kill the zombies, kill the mad scientist that turns into a zombie monster. And spoilers, you survive because they got to make sequels. Uh, but what and what made it hard was you you would get a gun, you can have a couple guns throughout, but the limited ammo. It, this wasn't just a go around crazy, just capping shit. You had to think there was strategy. It was terrifying. This game was terrifying. Hmm. And you had to pick your shots. And what was the scariest thought you could imagine was to run out of ammo and then be eaten alive by zombies. I guess so. Uh, and a lot of it, the, um, that back and forth was inspired by Back to the Future 2, actually. A lot of the inspiration came from manipulating one timeline uh, and changing things in another. That's where a lot of the inspiration came from. Now we talk about motherfucking Hollywood. So this game came out on January 21st, 1998. Mm-hmm. Uh, it brought in, it sold, well, they put $5 million into the marketing of this. Uh, George Romero actually directed one of the other commercials for this. I didn't air I it. I thought you were going to say George Romero sued. <laughs> oh, no. He actually directed uh, one of the, uh, some of the commercials mm-hmm. for this. Uh, $5 million marketing campaign. It made $19 million uh, on its opening weekend. It had 380,000 copies sold at release. Um, and then they made move, many movies about it, right? Yeah, we won't talk about that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, wasn't, I, still, that, I saw the first one in that elevator scene where the guy gets cut. Don't talk to me about it. It makes never, me want to bond. I can't them. deal with it. Um, there was one movie that beat it. On that weekend, it beat out every other film, including all the r- new releases. Titanic. Yeah. <laughs> Which, ironically, not ironically, because it's not ironic. You, you blew your lead when you said 1998. Yeah. Well, but here's, that's the best part. Titanic came out in December of 1997. This is three months after it's yeah, out. Titanic had legs. And Titanic, Titanic made $25 million that weekend. Three months after its release. Yeah, why do you think they released Ocarina of Time the last oh, month yeah. of fucking the year and, and so, he, so they yeah. could beat Titanic? And he, here's what's crazy. 
at this point, three months in, Titanic was only halfway to making, it was at like $350 million at that point in three months. It was only halfway to making it 600 plus million that it would bring in. So yeah, this game was a monster and it, it was huge and it was, but it was a movie. This is when games were really starting to like make their, forge their roots into storytelling and atmosphere and it would supplant movies what they're doing it's just so happened that it came out against a juggernaut yeah well this next pick of mine came out in june of 1997 and uh here we go star fox 64 test subject results stage one space combat mode stage two multiple interactive 3d environments Stage three, intra-squadron dogfighting. Stage four, sudden jolt of rumble pack impact control sensor. Introducing Star Fox 64 with rumble pack, only for Nintendo 64. Conclusion, stimulus overload. Good game. So, Star Fox 64, another property by Shigeru Miyamoto. Uh, a, lot of, a lot has been made in the news of late of... That NES Classic, which was a big fuck you from Nintendo uh, and a big uh, Christmas present for eBay sellers and assholes worldwide. We're only going to put a few of these fucking things out, let them go for $300 on the secondary market, because fuck you, we don't give a shit. And now they're releasing another fuck you, probably uh, that will fuck us all Christmas with the Mm -hmm. SNES Classic. Well, I'm sure they learned their lesson. (laughs) Uh, anyway, they uh, are touting this as being a system with the legendary never released Star Fox 2 on it, which it was released, but it was released, remade for the N64. A property, my second pick, and my second pick, which was a property created by the legendary Shigeru Miyamoto, who thought that everything they were doing in Star Fox 2 would be better suited for the new system. So let's stop and do this. I bought this. Uh, there was a Bradley's by us. Uh, remember Bradley's? Mm-hmm. If you lived on the Northeast, you might remember Bradley's. It, was it had like a snack a, bar. It did. And it was kind of like a shitty like department store, like a shitty version of Walmart, if you could believe that. Uh, so there was this video game store. Remember this video game store in Whitehall? Play, I think it was it was by Played Against Sports. Yeah. And it, they sold like old used video games, but they also sold new ones. That's mm-hmm. where I bought Star Fox. Yeah, I used to, I used to go there. Uh, and it, it came with a rumble pack, the first, which was then copied by every system sure. right, built right into the controller. So this rumble pack plugged into the back of the controller, and it, it would react to the game, which was was really neat. It's funny at the time, like some people could argue that it was a gimmick, but it's almost odd to not have some kind of response right, from your controller, controller now. Yeah. So uh, it's basically just like Star Fox was, just way better graphics. Uh, it's the 3D rail type game where you play as Fox McCloud. And you know how when they did the cutscenes, the mouse would kind of move like puppets? Mm-hmm. It was because Moyamoto was a huge fan of Thunderbirds and those like puppet shows, and okay. those English puppet shows. So that's what they made the cutscenes. And it also helped, helped make animation a lot easier. So they're kind of like... Um, you, you see Thunderbirds in, in that game. You do, you, absolutely. You definitely yeah. get a sense of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, all the wingmen are there, Falco, Lombardi, Peppy Hare, Slippy Toad, 
Uh, it's, it's just a fun, fun game. Just and there's the stories there, and the, the soundtrack's good, and um, there's land vehicles actually, and a submarine in this in this game, um, and uh, I don't know. I just I just really enjoyed uh, this game. This is another reason why I, I might buy a 3DS because the price is going down because they remade this for 3DS. Basically, that's what Nintendo does. The Game Boy Color was kind of like a Nintendo, an NES. Mm-hmm. The Game Boy Advance was your Super Nintendo, and they would re-release all those games and make a fortune off it. And then the 3DS was your N64, basically in portable format. I mean, I'm, I don't necessarily pay a whole lot of attention to it, but I'm trying to think of the last time that they came up with a new IP. A Splatoon? What's Splat, that? Splatoon? They're... they're Oh, um, uh, but that that that's gonna be on the one day will be on the level of a Zelda Mario. No, that one day will be on the level as well. Uh, they don't have to. They got so but much. That's, that's my IP, point. Like Kirby, they, Pokemon. Mm-hmm. Uh, they 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 have what they have, and they're using it. Yeah, using it well. Uh, and then they, they bring them all together in Smash Brothers to kill each other. Love those games. Mm-hmm. So I mean, who who gives a crap about ice climbers? But you but put them in a Smash Brothers yeah, game. Everyone, everyone goes shit, yeah. shit. Make a little appearance by Sonic. Who would ever have thought? You'd see Mario and Sonic in the same game. And uh, Sega releasing on Nintendo. But I always thought that's how Nintendo would go but they still keep churning out fucking hardware that people want. They're like the niche market where everyone will either own an Xbox and a PlayStation and then whatever Nintendo puts out. Mm-hmm. Well, they make it so family-friendly. And they've owned the handheld market since day one. Mm-hmm. We've talked about this. I mean, they're, they're still going at it, even with basically everyone having a handheld gaming system in their pocket. Mm-hmm. People will still go out and buy an uh, portable system, whatever Nintendo puts out. Yeah. So, Sony put the Vita out, and they really didn't even try with it. Yeah. It was kind of swung and a miss. I don't even know if you still can buy it. And uh, But Nintendo just keeps cranking it. And then now the, now the latest system is another portable system. So it's, it's interesting to see where this will go. But Star Fox, I, I hope they put a Star Fox out for the Switch. It would be pretty neat. Mm-hmm. I know they're putting in, they're making, they're delving back into the Metroid Prime genre, which I still have the original Metroid Prime from a game. God, such a good game. Such a good game. Another IP that they could just mine forever. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm surprised that, I, I think we've talked about it before too, where it, like they don't expand on Metroid's, uh, what they have there. As far as like series, movies, and like they don't expand it. Like, Same with Zelda. Yeah. Well, they had such a bad taste in their mouth from a movie we talked about in our podcast a couple uh, a couple of months ago, uh, Super Mario Brothers, mm-hmm. that they said they were never going to license their... Well, they did Pokemon, obviously, but that was animated. But they were never going to license it for movies again. Have you watched Castlevania yet on Netflix? Mm, I hear it's good. I heard it's good. It's on my to-do list. The thing is, when I get to bed, it's one of those things where I'll put my headphones in and fire it up on the Roku and watch it. But two things. One... If uh, uh, Amanda does wake up and I'm watching it and it's just this 
horrific, gory stuff. I don't want to freak her out when she wakes up. And then two, I uh, it automatically logged me out of Netflix for some reason. I forgot the password, so I'm too lazy to. <laughs> I found a website that streams King of the Hill, all of it, no commercials, because King of the Hill's nowhere. You can't even buy it on iTunes mm-hmm. if you want. So. Uh, I found this site, so I've been really delving back in. I love King of the Hill. It's one of my favorite shows. And it's kind of at the end of our rad years. Like, we could even get into King of the Hill because rad years was kind of what we we dubbed the rad years. I mean, we're on the fringe of it now with these two systems. I think it it doesn't necessarily end. It just changes. It morphs. And I don't know. I kind of, you know, 1998-ish. There's a certain innocence, and then you start getting into the whole <coughs> high school thing, and then just become yeah. a I, you become 90, a bitter asshole in the black t-shirt. Ninety-seven was King of the Hill, yeah, but yeah, uh, yeah. These games came out when I was near the end of high school for me, mm-hmm. but I was able to buy them on my own because yeah. I was working at Subway indoor KB toy store. But so. like you know, like with Resident Evil, it's a more mature game, so yeah, I wasn't gonna play that yeah. if it came out in 1993. But because of being the age that I am. It timed out perfectly. He's still a little scaredy pants. Well, I don't know what this is, but we are going... What the hell is that? your next pick. It's a mailman dropping off a package for me. Oh, well, tell him we're doing a podcast. (laughs) Here we go. This. Th- this is what would play when you put in your demo disc that came with your PlayStation. Demo disc. Demo disc. So it would, they would give you, I have it right here. I was afraid that this was gone, and I, when I was digging through, I found it. Did this was, well, no, this is just the case that I found it in. I was surprised. Future Cop is another very fun uh, PlayStation game by Electronic Arts. Uh, mine didn't work anymore. Uh, which was sad. You were like a mech slash police car. You know, it's awesome. But you have the interactive CD sampler pack. I have a volume three that would come with your PlayStation. And this is why... Oh, and I brought this case specifically because of the small soldiers ad that came in the back of the uh, hmm. the case for small soldiers for PlayStation. Um, so this came with a number of demos um, that you could play, and it was like a small part of a level. You can only play as one character. And for me, it was great because, like I said, I bought the PlayStation with my own money. I only bought the PlayStation and one game. That's all I had. So with the demo disc, I would sit there and just play these demos ad nauseum over and over again because it's all I had. And so you would have, it came with uh, Ridge, Racer, Ridge Racer Revolution, which is, a, uh, of course, a racing game. Uh, it came with Crash Bandicoot, and you would play uh, like a short span of a level. Uh, NCAA Football Game Breaker. I don't think I ever played that because I was not into the football games at the time. Mm. Uh, Blast Chamber, which was a really fun game. Uh, it was a competitive game. It was one of the first games on PlayStation that you could play up to four players. Now, in a demo, you could still only do, uh, I think it might have allowed you to do two. But it was uh, basically one big puzzle game where you would have to rotate the room and collect these orbs and get to your goal before you explode when the timer would run out. It was actually very stressful. Uh, Two Extreme, which was a uh, linear, like a rail skating game where you would, uh, it was a racing game, but on skateboards or snowboards, this demo, you would only have the snowboard level. I could rarely figure it out. 
there was an NHL Faceoff 97. That was a lot of fun. Tekken 2, which you could only play as two characters. I believe you could play as uh, Lee and uh, June, I don't know, one of the girls. And it would just pick a random opponent for you, and you would play as one of these two selectable characters. And, yeah, I would just sit there and just play as the same guy over and over again. Uh, there's a Formula One racing game. There's a rally cross, which is just what it sounds like, which was next to impossible because you would have to shift. And at uh, 12 years, 10, 13 years old, I did not know how to drive a standard transmission. Uh, and an NFL game day 97, again, that I didn't play. And then it came with Jet Moto and Twisted Metal 2, but were strictly videos. You can just watch the video game, which I would still do. Mm. But this game got a workout, or this disc got a workout, just because it's what I had. And the when I fired it back up and I heard that music for the first time, it took me all the way back to 1996 when I first fired this thing up after I figured out how to get it to work, because... Uh, when I first fired up my PlayStation, I open it up, I put the disc in, close it, and I just get a blue screen. It's not playing. I didn't know you had to, like, click it down over the spring-loaded ball bearings. I was afraid to break it. I thought it was that fragile. Oh, really? I actually called Sony Tech Support. You're kidding me. I would love to have a copy of that call. <laughs> and Little Squeezer like, calling he's like, Tony. He's Hello, like, this is Squeezer. Um... I need help getting my disc in mine. He's like, did you push it down? I'm like, no. I want to break the ball bearings. He's like, it, it's got to click into place, you idiot. Push it down, you fuck. You little squeaky-voiced kid, which, I mean, he was probably just as squeaky-voiced as me. Uh, so, uh, push it down. down. And then I'm sure he, like, leaned over his buddies in the cube next to him making fun of me. He's got the exact same call. Or maybe not. Maybe I was the only one that ever... No, no. Which I don't get because I had a CD player before this, so I don't know why I would have thought not to. Hmm. I'm an ass. Mysteries of the world. But yeah, this thing, this game, this disc was special to me. That this got me through a lot of uh, a lot of gameless gameless nights until I could finally start to build up my my repertoire. Sounds weird. Uh, I played. You never played the football games on that system. Uh, occasionally, I I had I see I got into Madden on Genesis, and then mm -hmm. I had Madden for six, Nintendo sixty four, but it wasn't licensed. So you had yeah. like the Foxborough team <laughs> and uh, the Minneapolis team, which I played as all the time, and it would be like first and last name that were similar to players who were on the team, but it was it was colors. Mm -hmm. But I I love that Madden sixty four game. I played that all the time. It's not on my list, but I I played the hell out of Madden sixty four. Uh, and moving on to my next pick, uh, this game was fantastic. Water churning tide, turning sun, burning wave crash, head bash, ride, glide, collide, hot flying, fish crying, eye crossing, cookie tossing, snaking, quaking, booty shaking, scrolling, controlling, rock and rolling, wave race 64. Sweating in your face, race for Nintendo 64. Strap on that seahorse and ride. <laughs> Strap on that seahorse and ride. Oy, okay, the commercials suck, but the game was fantastic. Now, this is my third game on my list, and my third game produced by Shigeru Maramoto. I'm sorry, I'm coming out with the heavy hitters right away. 
but uh, Morimoto is a legend, and he, he steered this game in the right direction. It's technically a sequel to the 1992 Game Boy game, Wave Race. It was okay. But they basically wanted to do F-Zero on water, and it was supposed to be high-speed boats transforming, uh, like with transforming capabilities. But Miyamoto was like, no, let's use jet skis and actually license Kawasaki. Uh, he, he thought that we, they need to make something different than it's ever been done before, and this was way different. The, this, the water, the moves, like you felt it took you in. I, in fact, bought the not as well-received Wave Race Blue Storm for GameCube, and the, the, the critics were saying it was just too much like Wave Race 64. No shit, that's why I bought it. <laughs> Uh, I still have that, and I loved this game so much. I rented this game until I finally bought it over and over and over again. This was a launch title, and this was my favorite. Like, the dynamics, like, you just, like, like back then, like, listen, graphics weren't that great. So, back in 1997, when I got this, I could, or 1996, actually, I, I think I got this. Mm -hmm. I was actually trans taken to a, a place I actually thought I was in the water, and then the beaches, and then Dolphin Park. It was like, aggressive to do water like that back then. It, and it was really, they really did it well. The physics and the splashing uh, were, were really, really um, well received. And um, when, Miyamoto, when Miyamoto is behind a game, it's not going to be uh, bad. And, uh, you know, he put, he did this while he was doing Super Mario 64. It's incredible. Uh, it was, it's probably the best. Uh, at the time, uh, depiction of, of what the Nintendo 64 was capable of. And it was a huge success in uh, both Japan and the United States. And uh, at the time of its release, some reviewers called it the greatest racing game, one of the greatest racing games of all time on a home console. Which is interesting because, if anything, Sony and specifically known for, like PlayStation is a racing game system. Yeah. Like a lot of... Their biggest titles. When I mean, you look at like Gran Turismo, Gran Turismo, yeah, and uh, Metal Gear Solid. Not Metal, Metal Gear Solid. What's that one? Uh, Twisted Metal. Twisted, Twisted Metal. Metal. Something. I'm sorry. And um, the Nintendo, the way they designed this, they did it in a very Nintendo. The music, <laughs> everything was was very very Nintendo, and uh, the animation, the physics, the, the clean waters, uh, the way. IGN said, the way the jet skis cut into the ocean's surface, lift off ramps, bounce into and off of oncoming waves, or slide on icy surfaces is not only believable and engaging, it's simply unparalleled. And I agree. This game was just so much fun. And who would have thought this is a game where you're just driving a, a jet ski would be so much fun. And later on, there would be another driving game Nintendo did, Cruise in the USA, which was super fun, too. They would just be able to... And it was just a simple driving game. Mm -hmm. There was nothing else about it, but they, they, they made it super fun. And I, I'd play that game, Cruising USA, a lot. Not on my list, but uh, another Nintendo release. That was a I, Nintendo IP. These have all been Nintendo IPs that weren't on any other. Of course, I think PlayStation then made a ripoff of this that wasn't as well received. Uh, there was, where is it? Actually, it was on my, uh, can't read my paper. Hmm. I was going to die, folks. I'm going to die. Uh, which one? Uh, Jet Moto. Jet Moto, yes. yes. That was on the demo list. It, well, uh, no, it's not a... 
It wasn't as well received no. as Wave Race 64. No. But uh, since it was so but, popular, PlayStation was like, we got to get in on this. Mm-hmm. And um, Which they, they don't have. It's, uh, there's a magic. There's a reason why Nintendo games Well, there's a magician. Work. His name is Miyamoto. Touche. <laughs> And um, he's, he's just, like, when you even see him speak, he's very, there's something about him that once, he, once we lose him, we'll never be able to have another sure. game. That, he is responsible for modern games. Yeah, he's like Walt Disney without the anti-Semitism. <laughs> yeah, he's and still, still going. Like, he, there's a magic. And uh, he saved the video game industry, mm-hmm. and uh, he continues to give us wonderful Wonderful things. I think, like, uh, using this as a comparison, there's no need to actually even have, like, the, the PlayStation versus the N64. There was a time when, you know, you didn't have the money and you needed to pick a system, and that's fine. But it, it's almost like comparing two completely different worlds. Well, that's what we, that harkens back to what we said now with where Nintendo falls and its place in this. Like, you either have an Xbox or a PlayStation. Mm-hmm. And then and you then also you get also whatever happened. Nintendo puts out. Yeah. Uh, Wii U excluded. <laughs> a lot of people pass on that one for 3DS. But yeah, the uh, Wave Race 64 or Blue Storm, if you get a chance to play either of those, give them a, give them a play. I don't know if... I know that uh, Wave Race was released on the virtual consoles, and um, but I don't know... The virtual console version doesn't have the Kawasaki uh, banner because the license expired. Hmm. Um, I don't think... Oh, and this is the Wii U version of the virtual console. The banner was restored. They renewed the license, I guess. Um, so, yeah, if you have the virtual console, I think you could pull this down and give it a play and do it because it's, it's fucking fun. And I guarantee you if they put some sort of... I doubt they will... But if they do some sort of like NES or N64 classic, like they're doing with NES, and it's a matter of time, then uh, I get I guarantee you the my first three games are going to be on it. Uh, but Time Crisis, Pilot Wings, that'll make spread your next pick. I don't know. Yeah, you did. I don't know. Spoilers. (laughs) It's Time Crisis. (laughs) It's time for the one man army. Richard Miller. Must be dead by now. Don't come! Rachel McPherson. Since you have traveled so very far, be my guest and let me entertain you. Cheruto Gallo. Just to be sure. (laughs) Wild Dog. See a nice reveal at the end after all after all that. <laughs> and I ruined it in the yeah. beginning. Uh, the opening sequence of Time Crisis, where you you get introduced to the just wonderfully Americanized names that they just kind of picked out of a hat. Bill Simon. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I didn't hear that. I'm then, just joking. And then uh, uh, the what what, uh, what do you got there? You presented. Oh yeah, I actually case. presented you the jewel case of my Time Crisis. Like I said, it's everything that I had. I tried uh, firing it up. Did this come what with a, a gun? Because I got I got a story. If if you have a second. Ah! Ah! So, 
That's how it's going to happen. Uh, oh, okay. So I'm going to whip out a gun and scream, ah, and then... Not out of your back. You're going to fumble on that forward. <laughs> I think I'll be, able to, I'll be able to get away well, now. There's not going to be two different four-foot cords attached to it. Did that come with it? Yes, this came. It came as a package. It came in a larger box. Right. Uh, it came with the Namco GunCon. Uh, this was the original. This is the NPC 103. When was Their, Time Crisis released? So it came out for arcades in '95. When was it released for PlayStation? Uh, 1997. That's why. 1998. Ow. Something happened that changed video games for a while. Oh. The Columbine Massacre. Columbine. So uh, Dreamcast was was hurt by this. They had a game called House of the Dead 2. Mm-hmm. And Similar, uh, you know, rail shooter. Launched in uh, Japan with a gun. They would not allow it to be launched in uh, USA in 1998 with a gun. So you had to play House of the Dead 2 with the controller. Ugh. Yeah, it didn't work. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, yeah, Columbine changed that for a while. Gun, guns being released with, with the game. Yeah, and especially a uh, realistic-looking yeah, firearm, yeah. too. So, yeah, it had... Um, it originally came out in arcade, and you had the guns, and it had, what was cool about the arcade version, it had, you know, the, the mechanism, the recoil mechanism, so you mm. actually felt it like a kickback when you shot. And it was, but there was a foot pedal, so you would use a foot pedal to take cover and duck from shots. Oh, that's pretty cool. And then reload your ammo as well. But there was a timer... Well, the level itself was time, but you also couldn't stay in hiding too long. You mm-hmm. had to continually shoot and move. Uh, and then so on the, uh, the home version... Is that called Time Crisis? Yes. Are you pulling out crisis. your foot pedal? No, no, I'm, get, I'm getting the... Santa's out. going into I'm a sack. So on, on, on the home console version, there are two, an A and B button built into the grip of the gun, and that's what you could use to, so to duck, t- and, duck re- and take reload. cover and reload. Um, I don't know... What my issue is now, uh, I, it doesn't work. Um, I, I, I can hit it once when I shoot to calibrate, but once I get to the menu, it doesn't recognize it. Like I can't shoot hmm. the like the arcade uh, or like story mode buttons. I can't get into playing the actual game. Do you think it has anything to do? Because it's a CRT, but it's one of those flat screen CRTs. Do you think that would have any any reason why uh, the flat? Yeah, the flat. It won't yeah, work. It, it has to be a, a yeah. curvature. All right, that's what I figured. Because when I when I trigger, I could see the whole screen kind of flash yeah, a bit. Uh, angry video game nerds talked about this. Okay. Yeah. Uh, if, you, go. if you've never watched angry video game nerds videos, go to cinemassacre.com and just check them out. And it's fucking fantastic. Yeah. Um, so I gotta find a new old TV so I can play Time Crisis. Sure. We or have... At this point, I can probably go and buy an old arcade console. Yeah, that would be could. awesome. Um, but yeah, it was, you play just a generic white guy in a leather jacket. Um, who fights off an army of generic uh, guys, uh, uh, Eastern Europeans with Japanese names, um, and they're different colored guys depending on how difficult they are. Uh, outfit colors oh. are uh, depending on you know how difficult they are, how many shots it takes, and how accurate they are. And some guys have machine guns and stuff like that. And you get through their multiple levels. Of just you being on a rail shooter and going through like the hotel and then like a sinking ship and stuff like that. And um, it was just a fun game. And it was cool to have at home. And uh, when you would, you know, you would play it in the arcade, I would play it in the arcade all the time. So when it came out, I think I got it for Christmas uh, when it came out in 97. Uh, And I played it 
I played this game a lot. And I think I set something up with using a controller, similar to how I did like with uh, um, Splat for the NES, using the uh, control pad as a foot toggle. I think you're able to do the same thing as far as reloading, where you could step on, I use a controller in the second port and step on it to take cover. I'm trying to remember if that worked or not. I tried doing it last night, but like I said, my flat pan, my flat screen uh, CRT is not friendly to Time Crisis. Hmm. Love this game, though. Um, that was just your normal shooter games were, were good for that. You didn't really need the story. Yeah. Just wanted to shoot things. The, well, like, you listen to that first minute, and it's like, just let's go. You want to just get moving. But yeah, it was a lot of fun. Well, we should move on because, you know, the listeners have been in this for a while now. And my next pick was a groundbreaking game uh, that people might not know that it was groundbreaking. It's WCW versus NWO World Tour. Gamebro calls it one of the fall's hottest titles. Game Informer says it's the end-all, be-all of wrestling. Featuring over 20 of WCW's and NWO's top wrestlers. A four-player battle royal mode. And up to 40 moves per wrestler, including signature moves and foreign objects. All on Nintendo 64. Call now. 1-800-WCW-8661. Or send 69.95 to the address on your screen. Also available wherever video games are sold. NWO. <laughs> That's awesome. That, that WCW versus NWO World Tour. You could buy it still with a check, sending it to an address. That's so uh, awesome. At this point in time. But uh, this was released in November of 1997. I got it for Christmas that year. I wasn't the largest WCW fan at the time. I was still more a WWF guy, mm-hmm. and Mankind and whatnot. But this was a kind of uh, at the, when they were winning, because right after NWO, it was pretty big. It's got Giant and Hogan on the cover. And I was always a Hulk Hogan fan. And uh, this game changed the world of wrestling video games. Yes. I don't know how they exist now because I don't play them. But THQ had a, a, uh, a, a, a grappling mode in this. Yes. That, that you, had to, you started all your moves by a grapple. And uh, it, it was revolutionary. And it was so much fun to play. I played mm-hmm. this nonsense. It never got boring. And it, even though they were so limited, there was no ring entrances. There was no, because like PlayStation had the big sure. actual music and video from the ring entrances. Because you had the support for that. That's what it was meant for, the actual gameplay. Because I had a stack. I didn't, I'm surprised I didn't put any on. A stack of wrestling games for PlayStation from, uh, from uh, Attitude, well, those were all acclaim, War- until, yes, acclaim until THQ got the WWF yes. license. Yeah. Warzone Attitude, which then was also the ECW game. Which Well, the ECW <laughs> got acclaim after WWF yeah. ditched it. Yes. And uh, um, the SmackDown titles, then which uh, was... We'll get back to that. SmackDown, what do you mean? Uh, who produced... THQ. Uh, it was, the, it was, it was THQ. the first THQ for PlayStation okay. SmackDown. But still, there was something about... The N64 wrestling games, in particular, what you're talking about, but this was the predecessor to maybe one of my favorite games of all time. The no, best. No Mercy. Yes. By far, is the greatest wrestling the first game. The THQ uh, wrestling game produced for WWF. Yes. Uh, there might have been one right before it. Or was it one after? But uh, No Mercy came out in 2000. And that was, it's just a masterpiece. 
But this uh, this was the predecessor. No mercy. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think I ever played this. Because remember, like I said, I didn't have... I don't think I played WCW versus NWO. Oh, really? Because I didn't have... You know, I was a PlayStation kid. I didn't get my... I probably didn't buy my N64 until... No, no, no. WrestleMania 2000. Yes, WrestleMania 2000. there you go. WrestleMania yeah. 2000, which uh, was fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was basically... I had WrestleMania 2000. Yeah. I, I did. Black Cartridge. I, I did too, yes. Yeah, I did too. Um, but when... And then No Mercy just came out and blew it all away. And if you combine... You combine I No Mercy. Played, no Mercy had the backstage, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, well, there were so many story modes yeah. that f- that I never span. played No Mercy. It was insane. WrestleMania 2000 was a game you could play forever. It had yes. the creation mode. Well, so did, yeah. Well, they, uh, NWO, WCW okay. didn't. Okay, uh, it, it was basically they took all the best things about the, w, the CW versus NWO mm-hmm. World Tour and they put it. But I still love WCW versus NWO oh, World Tour so much. Yeah. It was such a groundbreaking game and they got fighting game of the year uh and it uh it, it just everything about it was was just well received to the point where uh it was probably doing better the video game was probably doing better than wcw itself because uh, at the time, it, yeah. it didn't have uh, uh, no one was running behind the scenes once it was out there. <laughs> right. uh it uh had a lot of there were some hidden characters diamond dials page wrath glacier randy savage and uh Joe Bruiser, which was a character of Muhammad Ali, and uh, it just it, there was bleeding, uh, um, foreign objects could be pulled from the audience, mm-hmm. so that was like a really fun part of like the bats. And it, you would just go to the audience and just pull them out. Uh-huh. Was- um, half wooden folding tables, barbed wire bats, and it was, that was all taken from the Japanese counterpart. That's what made it so great. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, I don't know. I just thought this game was so much fun. And it was THQ's biggest hit ever. And it, it, it's what earned them the WWF contract. Mm-hmm. It gained players' choice status for uh, Nintendo because it sold that many copies. Wow. Uh, it accounted for 59%, uh, 59% revenue increase for THQ. Holy shit. Yeah. It was, uh, 1.3 million copies in the U.S. Second best-selling wrestling game for the N64, and considered the console's all-time one of the console's all-time best-selling titles. Is that after No Mercy? I think WrestleMania 2000. Really? Yeah. Well, you know what, though, because No Mercy came out late in it its did. life. It did. Um, same along with like that's why like Conquer right? <clears throat> doesn't get enough credit because it came out so late. But at that point, they stretched the power of that machine. To its yeah. limit. That, that's what I think what, what will stand the test of time is what they're able to do with that technology. And I mean, and if you take, I don't, I don't want to go on a tangent as far as No Mercy goes, because we're talking WCW and WO. If you combine that with a Game Genie, we're not talking. Or game Shark. Uh, game Shark. Uh, we are not talking cheats, we're talking hacks. And there were, you would go on the internet, and this was at the very, very primitive internet at the time, and you go on like message boards. Mm-hmm. And guys would have codes. And these guys figured out how to edit the code of the game. And you would add in, you would, there was Hell in a Cell. They built a Hell in a Cell via <laughs> code through the Game Shark. Mm-hmm. Edit moves, like I, and like edit characters to look just like guys. So I had an entire ECW roster. 
and there was a code that I installed, and you can do a Van Daminator where one of the chairs that would be in the weapons mode would pop up, Van Dam would toss the chair to the guy, and then kick it. Like, that was added into the game. And things like, you know, like adding extra damage to, like, the, the regular spear would turn into a gore. Um, they added in all kinds of other things like... Uh, 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 what the hell did they... Uh, oh, they added the Van Terminator and just ridiculous stuff that you can do in that game uh, via a Game Shark, which I'm really sticking up for N64 right now. Yeah. Like I was saying, I'm playing Devil's Advocate. And there are games that I could put on my list that I'm sure would do a much better job of putting up a fight. But like I said, I wanted to stick to certain games that, you know, had a very special place in my heart until so I far, threw them under the bus to get an N64. Every game I've... I picked. I feel was a game changer for they, the yes, video game industry, absolutely. and a and a um, landmark title. Mm-hmm. And all games I had too. I was. Sure. I was. That's no, why I, I love the N sixty four so much. Like I didn't I, get any of the stinkers. I didn't I, get the Superman sixty four. <laughs> you know. Well, that's the thing too. You didn't. You didn't. You. I personally did a lot of research, and I never. I don't think I bought games at launch back then. They were expensive. They were bucks. expensive. And I, I needed to do my research. I wanted to read reviews. I needed to rent them first to see if yeah, I was, was going to like it. Yeah, that was a it. big thing. Rentals were big mm-hmm. then at Blockbuster. They would have plenty of copies yeah. of everything. So especially with the CD titles, that's cheaper yeah. produced. Uh, so there was a lot of, lot of titles out there. And um, you, could get, you could get your copies of the game. And so the re, the, you could test them before hands. But I, I, I didn't test uh, WCW or SNWO, I got it. And you didn't have to. It was the first wrestling game on the 64 and one of the most fun. And I, I would still love to play it. It's hard, it's a hard, emula- hard to emulate. But uh, it's out there and it's fun. Yeah. If you could find it and emulate it or find a cartridge and play it, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, I have, there's one game that I remember when I bought my PlayStation. And it's one game that I bought before ever demoing because I bought it with the console. This is the one the first game that I owned for PlayStation. What the hell is this? It's a rave simulator. <laughs> wow. Ah, this was Wipeout XL. There there's a thing going on with my with my PlayStation games. I, uh, I, I, my video game, I like my video games like you like your comedies. I go for sequels. Mm. Uh, so Wipeout XL is a sequel to Wipeout, and it's a anti-gravity racing game. So it's, uh, basically you're racing hovercrafts through, like, these, uh, tubes, if you will, and it takes place in the future, and it's, like, the sport of the future. In the year 2097, it's the F5000 AG Racing League. You know, and you'd have, it's kind of like F-Zero, basically. That's what it is. It's F-Zero. So you'd have your different rated hovercraft that you would, you know, fly down your trenches. And you had the speed boosts. You had the weapons where you can pick up things like rockets and laser cannons, mines, and additional speed boosts and shields and stuff like that. And, yeah, you'd compete, and there would be time trials or head-to-head racing, and you would go across, I think there were five different courses, and occasionally they would change color uh, in the later levels so that you had more courses. 
uh, or you could unlock the Piranha ship, which couldn't have weapons, but it was more heavily armored, fast as hell, like uh, 50 kilometers faster than any other car, any other hovercraft out there, um, and much more maneuverable. But you can unlock that, and I just did it when I, I put this in last night when I was messing around. It's a L1, R1, select, and hold all those, and then go tri- or X, 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 circle, triangle, square, and that you at the menu and you unlock this thing. And that's what would be my ship of choice. You wouldn't even need weapons because you'd be in the front of the pack as soon as you got going. This thing was awesome. What made this game was the soundtrack. It was very 1996, and it was very... Uh, Did they just borrow the Hackers movie soundtrack? Kind of. <laughs> I mean, you, you got uh, Chemical Brothers, yep. Fluke, yep. Prodigy. Yep. Uh, <laughs> they did, bro. Uh, Future Sounds of London. Yeah. Uh, all that. The problem was it was uh, all instrumental. Mm-hmm. So, like, they had, like, Firestarter was on there, but you don't hear Keith Flint doing his thing. Right. Um, but, yeah, oh, it was so much fun to play. It was, it was a great racing game. Great controls because you'd have a, um, using air brakes to maneuver. So you can do, like, 90-degree turns, and this thing was fast. And I, it's been a while. I booted this thing up. Fastest time. Yeah, I'm pretty damn good. Beat everyone right off the bat. Because I played this game so much because it was the only game I had for the longest time. It was this in the demo disc. So, <laughs> and I wasn't one for racing games. I would, I, would, I would get bored. But this game, I would play the hell out of. It was a lot of fun. Uh, what's also cool about it was uh, a little company, uh, a little energy drink company back in 1996 that no one really even heard of. Uh, would be plastered all over this game as an in-game sponsor to add some realism to the Rockstar? game. Rockstar? No. Monster? Red Bull. Oh, Red Bull. Yeah. Uh, this was before, and so there, you had Red Bull logos everywhere. Because yeah, it's European probably. Yeah. <laughs> a, as a kid, I'm like, what the hell is Red Bull? I, I thought it was actually made up for the game. Wow. Um, as it turns out, Red Bull was a sponsor of the game, in the game, and then they did a, a tour where they would take the games around to nightclubs and then people could play Wipeout XL in the club and try it out while drinking Red Bull and... Vodka. Vodka, I guess. Or just Red Bull, you know. Sure. Uh, I love this game. Uh, IGN put it up as the 13th best PlayStation game of all time, which that means there's probably... All right, so I've got Resident Evil 2. That's, I'm doing math here. 13, that's 12, 11. So there's 10 other games I probably should have had on this list if I really wanted to compete with you. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't about that. It was about the fond memories of Squeezer going back and I just got lucky indulging. that all my well, fond memories happened to be landmark games. It, it doesn't help that, yes. And I'm with you. Those are all some of my favorite, favorite games. I mean, I could easily have gone N64 and even beaten your N64 if you want to look at it that way. But I don't think there's any need for competition. Like... Let me think. What do I put on there? Your next pick. Well, I left Ocarina. Mario. You, yeah, what? Ocarina. You know, well, would obviously be on I my list. Those. Of course, you had that. And yeah, I mean, I'm sorry. They're, they're they're epic. They're epic, and they stand the test of time. Listen, I left Mario off my list. Mario 64. Without it, we wouldn't have probably Grand Theft Auto Five. We might have gone to it, but it helped pave the path. Yeah. This next game is my knockout punch. 
because this uh, next game is what saved the Nintendo 64 and gave it life. I don't it was think called, it's so much of a knockout punch. You're more or less doing a Johnny Cage punch in a dick. Okay. So this was the game that um, they called the killer app for the N64. This is the game that they said um, uh, defined the first-person shooter and on a console because before it only lived on a computer. This is the game that sold 8 million units worldwide. <laughs> Unit. If you haven't figured it out yet, <laughs> GoldenEye for the N64. <laughs> Who gives a fuck about the movie? Video game has a much better legacy. Yeah. It was a work of art. It was. Uh, it was not, it had very low expectations coming out of E3 in 1997, but it turned out to be a critical and commercial success. It sold, it's the third highest selling game for N64 ever behind Mario 64 and Mario Kart 64, which I also left off, which mm. was an incredible game. Uh, according to the paper published on the website, Entertainment Software Association, it grossed $250 million worldwide. Shit. Yeah. Talk about competing with the cinema. What, uh, did, what did GoldenEye the movie rake in? I don't know. It might have, because it was the first James Bond in a long time. That's true. Everyone wanted to see uh, Mrs. Doubtfire's boyfriend. New boyfriend. Yeah. Uh, but I could tell you it made 355 off a $60 million budget, so that's pretty good. Yeah. But damn, for a video game? Yeah. And this was a time when people weren't expecting that. And uh, so graphically, I mean, GoldenEye is the, in 1997, the multiplayer experience. It's the ultimate party game. Right. Well, there was, was games you played when you were at your friend's house on the N64 going up until like 2005 even. Mm-hmm. It was GoldenEye, Mario Kart, and Mario Party. Mm-hmm. Mainly Mario Kart and GoldenEye. Yeah. You play Mario Kart for like the first few hours, and then at night you get the Mario yeah. the, the GoldenEye out. Uh, this was just it. This was... Uh, uh, the, I also wanted to put Torok the Dinosaur Hunter on there because oh, I had that game. Oh, damn. That was so much fun. Yeah, that game was great. But um, this was really it. This was the, the game that Rare developed it, and then Microsoft bought Rare. Mm-hmm. But Rare developed so many... Huge Nintendo hits. I think Banjo-Kazooie was rare, too, right? Banjo-Kazooie. Uh, Conquer is a rare product. Conquer's. Uh, and then, um, of course, the Donkey Kong Country mm-hmm. games. Uh, Holy shit. All right, yeah, you had a lot to hit me with. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, I came out uh, came out swinging in the beginning, and then I hit you with a knockout, the finishing move. I was end. already down. It, just... This was this game. Now, PlayStation destroyed N64 and created a legacy, but this oh, game... Absolutely kept N64 in the game and alive. And it was the game that made it compete. People were buying N64s just to buy this game. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why I did. Yeah. You know, I, I wanted, uh, I, I would, that was, it was one of the games where I'd go to my friend's house and I wanted just, can we please, I don't, I don't want to go outside and play. I don't even want to be with you guys. I just want to play your golden eye. Yeah. And, but like we would have, like, there was like, a, a, we're at my one friend's house. We had a TV set up, and there was a futon in the back. And there would be 10, 12 of us at night hanging out. And you'd all be hanging out in that room, and everyone just waiting for their shift to take turns. Right. 
This paved the way in. for Halo, Call of Duty. Oh, yeah. All those games that, uh, you know, Battlefield. Mm-hmm. Though I don't even know what the most popular first-person shooter is in Call of Duty still. Uh, Battlefield and Call of Duty are kind of... I don't have the numbers, but they go head-to-head. Okay. So, yeah, without this, you know, those might not have ever been where they are. This really brought the first-person shooter and, and the multiplayer into the forefront. And it was... It was all the, the local multiplayer mode was so much fun. Yeah, I, and I, I think that what makes it even more fun. Like I get, you get frustrated when you're playing online and you hear little little kids cursing at you. There, there's even though you're, at the time playing a video game that it made it such a cultural and social experience. Like I said, there were 10, 12 of us hanging out playing this game, and we would go till four in the morning. Like you wouldn't sleep. We'd be up all night in this massive, not even tournament, just everyone just taking their time, taking their turn. Going at Goldeneye. Yeah, it was uh, it was it was crazy, and it was great for James Bond because yeah. this gave Goldeneye legs. And I like the talking. movie. Yeah, uh, we went to see it in the theater because my dad was a big James Bond fan, mm-hmm. and he was excited to see it. It was hard to kind of follow; the story was a little convoluted. Anytime they start having a good guy turn bad guy, and mm-hmm. and but um, was that Sean Bean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But then, of course, Rare did Perfect Dark. That game was fucking yeah. sick. Yeah. yeah, so that was the spiritual successor mm-hmm. to GoldenEye. And again, another title right at the end yeah. uh, of, it, of, its, of its lifespan. That, the, the briefcase gun mm-hmm. was the shit. I feel like P- uh, Nintendo 64 had a lot of great titles at the end of its mm-hmm. life cycle. And if they would have released the GameCube maybe then and put those games there... Which they did eventually, yeah. but they would have. I think that having all those as launch titles, yeah, yeah. might have been better. But eh, who to debate? PlayStation Two was game changing, yeah, and it really. And then you had Microsoft in the mix, then too. It was yeah, starting Xbox. to get muddy. Yep. Uh, I, I mean, it was. Yeah, Goldeneye was just epic, and I would play, and I by myself just playing, not even actual story mode the way it's supposed to. I would just mess around yeah. in the actual single player mode just as well. It was so much fun. I my I can create my own little head cannon. It was a little creative squeezer just using <laughs> it as an outlet. But uh so yeah that's our I mean in this in this world you were playing Devil's Advocate and I'm sure there's a huge amount I mean you didn't talk Final Fantasy seven. No, I mean I'm sure I'm, I get plenty of I, I you could argue that you could dismiss me as a public defender. I didn't do a good enough job. <laughs> Uh, it, it was very hard for me. I don't. I don't like. And I, I came all Johnny Cochran out. Oh with, yeah, the, yeah. With uh, some great examples, but uh, no PlayStation One. Is, it, it was very important. There's to me. a PlayStation and Four in my living room right now because of the what PlayStation One mm-hmm. put down. Sony was very important and it's very intertwined, inter- intertwined with Nintendo. Sony never would have went on their own if they didn't get fucked over by Nintendo yeah. so bad. And then I never even ended up going PlayStation 2. I went to Xbox. Oh, you did? I went to Xbox and I went 360 and then back to PlayStation, wherever the hell we're at now. Well, you, you, you had 360 and PlayStation 3 and you got Grand Theft Auto on 3 because I was going to buy a PlayStation. E- something like that? That's how it went. And then you got PlayStation 4 probably because of Grand Theft Auto. Yeah. Right? Yeah, so it was kind of me. I was influ- influential on your PlayStation 4. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, but yeah, that's that was the console wars. That was a fun one. We won another two hours almost. Did we really? Hour forty-two. Wow. So we're giving you a lot for making that. We're we're, we're still feeling guilty that that our our neglect calendar screw up. Yeah. So if you take don't, the don't. extra hour we gave you on the last yes. two podcasts, that makes it's, up for yeah. the two weeks we missed. Don't take our gross incompetence as uh, neglect. Neglect. We are just yes. idiots. All right. Well, we'll be back next week. Mm-hmm. And we're talking, this is going to be a fun one, we're just talking weekends. We're going to talk about stories and things we did as kids on the weekends that, that were, it was important to us on weekends. I think I got an idea. As a kid, we live for the weekends. Now it's just another goddamn day. But uh, that's all for the Radio's podcast. I'm RK. I'm Squeezer. We'll see you next week.